I'm Maria Schwartz, along with my co-host, Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. This episode, we are talking the WNBA Finals. like our show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w i'm here with rachel galligan and we're talking our reactions to the WNBA finals we had to give it a few days so we could uh cool off sober up uh and uh and you know kind of get our heads straight as it were rachel how you doing i'm fantastic how are you my friend uh you know still trying to get back to a normal regiment of life <laughs> The playoffs were wild. The playoff, like I, for those of you who don't know, like I live in DC. At one point, um, for various as I talked about before, I had a Sandy Koufax it, but mostly like one day drove up to Connecticut, the eight hour drive from DC to Connecticut, and then right immediately after Game Three, drove back to DC. So like that just completely threw me off for the Mm -hmm. rest of the playoffs. I had no idea what day it was. I didn't know. It was morning or night. Um, it was it was a crazy time. I can't blame you. I mean, I, I, I for those who don't know, I was able to fly out to D.C. and I was there for game two, um, which was really fun. It was a really quick trip. <laughs> Tough for me to kind of fit much of anything in my schedule, let alone flying across the country. But really excited to be there. But, you know, it was a really it was a bummer. You know, that was that happened to be the game. Um, Elena got hurt. Uh, with her back. So of, of course the one game, you know, I get to be at in person of the finals. Um, I didn't get to see her play, unfortunately, but you know, I think uh, you nailed it on the head when you're talking about just taking some time to kind of, um, I guess, sober up from not just these finals, but from this WNBA season, I think um, more so than, than any other season. This, that was, this is one that we need to do that from. I mean, there's a lot to unpack and without necessarily diving into the whole season, I mean, we could, obviously focusing on the finals is what this, this is, is about. But for me, you know, I had a lot of people that asked me, who are you going for? Who, who do you want to win? And like, like it, it was really difficult question for me to answer. And maybe as a media member, you know, you're, you're supposed to be unbiased and all those sorts of things, but it's hard when you've got, you know, personal relationships with people on both teams and, and uh, the storylines within themselves. And I really wanted coach T to get this championship um, I, I think if if anyone says that they didn't, you know, there's probably something wrong with you, and I would question your morals. But you know, I really wanted him to get that championship. I wanted it for Elena. Um, you know, and the fact that you know we we watched her, such a fantastic, incredible player that she is, battle through the injuries that she did. Um, you know, the injury bug is something that she's always battling through it feels like um but honestly you know that after the season she had and the way she fought through those three herniated discs and the nose and still having the knee brace um I just really I'm really thankful that Washington was able to get that one I think you know they were by by far but they were definitely the most dominant team in the league this year what they were able to do offensively and the way they clicked you know through the 
majority of the season, I mean, for, for really the entire season, they were the most consistent team on both ends of the floor, you know, and I, I don't know that you could pick a team that was any better. And, you know, this was a finals between a number one and a number two seed, you know, and that's, I knew it was going to be intense and I really, really believed it would go to five games. Um, I, I definitely picked Washington to win just because I do think at the end of the day, they are the better team. Um, and, and they were able to pull that one out and show it. And honestly, you know, I love Connecticut. I love uh, Kurt Miller, what he's done with that franchise and, and what is being built there. We can dive into that here in a minute, but um, I'm really happy for Washington. Long story short. Yeah, no, I mean, like, look, looking at the series, I'll, first of all, touching on something that you spoke about earlier, you know, having, oh, which team do you want to win? Like, look, I, I feel like it's a stupid, outdated idea to be like, oh, media can't be biased. Everybody has their own personal bias for whatever reason it is. Like, for me, I wanted, get, yeah, I wanted, depending on which game it was, a different team to win because I wanted it to go to game five. Like, I wanted more basketball. I think it's better for the league. And honestly, because I'm selfish, I wanted more basketball. Then if you talk about like, oh, well, who did you want to win game five? Honestly, like either one, you know what I mean? Like they're both amazing teams. I'm I'm based in D.C., so it's cool to be, you know, based in a team uh, that won the championship and be with them through the whole series uh, of the season. But it was also kind of cool with Connecticut because two, three years ago, um, you know, right when Kurt Miller got there, I remember saying this is going to be a scary team. Mm -hmm. And you know, every year, I think this was the first year in the past three years, I didn't pick them to go to the finals. Um, I, I, yeah, I kept picking them to go to the finals and I was like waiting for it to happen. So like, and then also on the hot take episode, I obviously said that DC is never going to win a championship. So, uh, you know, that aspect of me was kind of pulling for Connecticut, but at the end of the day, come on, like there, it was two amazing games. And, and furthermore, what you said, kind of what, uh, Kurt Miller said in the post game press conference, I want to give him props because I think he said this perfectly where this is the number two and the number one and the number two seed. It went down to game five uh, in a do or die match to get winner take all. And it came down to the last 10 minutes of the game. It was like a one point game going into the fourth or whatever. And Washington played a better last 10 minutes of the game. And that's what it came down to. And I kind of viewed it as almost, you know, these two top teams that are, that are very evenly keeled, but it just got to a point where, you know, Connecticut got that scared look on their face and started to overthink things. Courtney Williams, Alyssa Thomas started to force it a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, with the John, for me, it boils down to the John Quell uh, right. foul trouble. Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm just going on a rant. Um, <laughs> it's, um, no, I mean, like, this is, this is like my thoughts, like, boils down to like that. It, it just, DC was a slightly better team. I don't think that they were like so much better. Do I think, if Deladon doesn't get injured, I really question if we go to mm -hmm. five games, honestly. No, what I agree. You? I mean, it were, it's a completely different scenario if we're talking about, you know, Elena being out this for, for the, you know, the rest of the series. This is a completely different conversation. Um, but I, I mean, I think it would have taken just absolutely, oh my gosh, you know, a lot more than three herniated discs to keep her from being out on that floor, you know, and shout out to the, the, the medical staff and, and her crew and everything she did to be out on that floor um, fighting through that pain. I think that's incredible, but you know, you got the sense in that fourth quarter and I agree with you. Um, John Quill Jones in foul trouble. If you, if you had to pin it on one thing with Connecticut, that was for me, I agree. Um, you, it was like this, that's it. You know, I remember watching the game and I, and I, I looked over to my friends I was watching it with and I said, it's, it's, they, they can't do it with, with what the way the game was being played. And then, and the way, the way the game was being called and then, and then you get in that fourth quarter and, 
Washington just hit that moment and like, you can't really put it into words, but it it gives me chills just talking about it. They hit that next level of momentum of um, emotion. Um, Emma Mieseman was completely, you know, doing MVP ish (laughs) things. Um, And Elena Deladon, you know, was playing fantastic really that that entire game as well as she could not being 100%, even though she said she was close to it. They just you just got the sense that, you know, it's, it's Washington mystics time. They're going to completely take over these final few moments. And they did. And, and it's like, it's like stomping on the throat. You know, they could see it in Connecticut's eyes. Um, Connecticut really, you know, like Jasmine Thomas struggled. And that was one player that we said she really had to perform well for them to win game five. You know, she finishes one for six from the field. And um, she's someone that I think, um, not, not not pinning it on her, but, you know, she has to elevate her game and make shots and, and be offensively um, a threat more than what she was, um, and especially in that, it, late in the game, the second half. Um, then you combine that with JJ um, and Courtney Williams. You know, she, she finishes 7 for 20. It wasn't like she was next-level Courtney Williams. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, you just could see it kind of on their faces of – it's go time. Washington's going to take over. Um, and they did. And there was really nothing, really, there was nothing Connecticut could do. Um, that's just kind of the nature of sport and, and the nature of a team like Washington, who's been in this moment, you know, they have been in the finals before where they have lost, you know, they were swept by Seattle last year. So they've been on that stage. That's not to say they have the advantage over Connecticut, but in some ways, they're, they're more experienced on that level. You know, they're at home. They've got that energy. They've, they've got that momentum. They, I think you had the sense that everyone across that team, that roster on that bench realized it's now or never. Um, and they took it. And I think everybody watching knew <laughs> it was theirs for the taking. Yeah. And, and I mean, look, you hit everything on, on the top of the head. Courtney Williams played a good game. Now, I do want to point something out that I think Connecticut won the first three quarters. Connecticut Yes, you know, the team that won the first quarter point-wise won every game this series. And Connecticut lost the first quarter, 23-20. But momentum-wise, the Mm -hmm. style of play throughout the whole game, honestly, I thought it was Connecticut ball. They never looked completely in control, but they looked a lot more secure than Washington did. Come forth and like the, those two plays with uh with Chrissy Tolliver, where she gets like what was it like two travels and then an offensive foul? Like Chrissy was struggling. And it wasn't until the fourth, I think, when it kind of clicked that, hey, we haven't been playing our ball all game. This is not who the Washington Mystics are. And yet we're only down one or it's only like a three point game, a one point game. We can do this. And that's when like it really clicked for them. And when it clicked for them, Connecticut just I I don't want to again, they started just pushing a little bit too fast, looked a little bit scared. Obviously, we got to highlight Jasmine Thomas, one for six. I mean, she was a key factor in the semifinals and throughout this season uh, for this team's, you know, strong homestay and and prowess throughout the whole season. And she just completely disappeared in the finals, not just game five, the complete finals. Someone else that I'm really shocked at, at the uh, the lack of performance, honestly, was Shakina Strickland. Three for nine, one, one for five from three. I mean, the team as a whole shot two for 12 from yeah. three. The Connecticut Sun shot 16% from three. Yeah. yeah. And in that fourth quarter, Washington outscored Connecticut 27-14. And, and if you're Connecticut, you know, you just need 
a big time shot from Strickland to go down. You know, you need an answer. And that is what Connecticut has done a really good job of was being able to handle Washington Mystic, the Washington Mystics runs. You know, the Mystics obviously can score at will. Um, so being able to manage that, not just defend it, but to respond when they do go on a run, Connecticut's been able to, to, to come back with that and go on a run of their own. And you just got the sense in that fourth quarter that it was like, you know, you're backed up into a corner or back against the wall. We, we've got nothing left in us. They couldn't get one of those shots. But, you know, if you get a Strickland three to fall after a Washington run and you give yourself a little momentum, give yourself a little bit of hope, um, then maybe you can't generate a little bit of a run of your own. But it just felt like Connecticut just ran out of gas completely in that fourth quarter. Oh, completely agree. I mean, I, I, all right. The, a few things that like just some off the top of the head thoughts that that come into my mind when I think Connecticut one. Holmes was a freaking beast. Something that connect. So what both teams did really well, uh, and and I want your coach's take on this, Rachel, is both teams kind of forced the other offense uh, to shift their main priorities. We know the Mystics love to shoot the three ball. 19 threes taken in game five. That that seems like a nice amount, right? But they only hit four. They did a great job of adjusting, like, you know, we talked about when we saw Emma Mieseman hit those three threes in a row in the fourth quarter of what was a game three or four. I don't even know. It all blurred together in one long game. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they adjusted from that and they said, you know what, we're going to let you if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us by getting into the paint and knowing that they have some length. And but honestly, both teams kind of did this where if you were going to be successful against their defense, it was bring it into the paint and get downhill and rush to the court. And and Natasha Heideman, who I got to give props to the rookie, getting a lot of playing time for Connecticut in these finals. And, and, and Holmes really did a superb job of crashing to the paint and getting some buckets and, and really forcing the subject and getting to the free throw line. Not necessarily, you know, in game five, she did it a couple times, but throughout the series, uh, she definitely stepped up big time, and and you know that's that's a positive for Connecticut. Obviously, there's no positives coming out of a finals loss. Well, I just really think, I mean, if you just look at the three point percentages for both teams, I mean, we only had six threes made in Game Five with both teams combined. Both teams shot very poorly from the three point line. Connecticut finished two for twelve, just under seventeen percent, which very uncharacteristic for them. Um, Washington Mystics, you know, four for 19 at 21%. That's a team that they loved the three ball. Um, so this was, especially at this late in the game, you know, last game of the season, legs are tired. I mean, this is just a gritty, you have to tough this out physicality. You know, it, it does, it starts in the paint. And you talked about it offensively. You know, Connecticut had a ton of success in game four because they were the aggressor. And they were able to pound it inside. And when I mean pound it inside, like obviously being able to make a concerted effort to throw the ball into John Quell Jones, when that, that was huge in game two when they were able to respond and she had that monster performance. Um, but being able to throw the ball inside both teams, being able to penetrate into the paint, um, being able to then when the shot goes up, give yourself second chance opportunities because they're not, we're not shooting the ball exceptionally well, at least from beyond the three point line, but being able to get into the paint and, and that's going to take me to, of course, what everyone knows I'm going to talk about, which is rebounding. And that was when, when, when ESPN, you know, kind of mm-hmm. went into each huddle, that was what both coaches were preaching. It was like, we have got to crash, crash the, crash the paint every single time we crash the boards. We, everybody's got to get a rebound. Everyone's got to get around. That's the difference maker at this stage, this late in the game, the team that was going to, you know, win that rebounding battle was going to win. And every team 
you know, every game in this series, whoever, whoever had more rebounds ended up winning the game. Now it was a really small margin, (laughs) you know, Washington Mystics won on the glass 32 to 31, but they still won. Um, And it wasn't like they get a ton of offensive rebound. They, they, they don't necessarily crash super hard on the offensive, but being able to keep Connecticut off the glass. And so I'm just expanding off on what you said about getting into the paint. That was just, um, it's just, it's everything, you know, and I think defense defensively Connecticut had some breakdowns. Um, They were slower on their rotations. I felt like in game five, especially, you know, the second half, struggled and you know when Mieseman starts going off like that it just kind of disrupts your entire defense because you you start getting you're so focused on where ED is you're so focused on you know being able to close out and contest shots and um you know where's Christy Tolliver are, are we letting you know N- N- Natasha Cloud having to have a straight line drive to the paint you know they were really doing a fantastic job Washington was of attacking Shakina Strickland whoever she was on especially early in the game that's kind of how Washington got themselves going early was um attacking Strickland defensively. Um, But I just felt like Connecticut was a half a step slower than what they had been in the games that they were successful defensively, which game two and game four, you know, they were, they were, the rotations were on point. They were there, you know, they were, they were contesting shots. Um, They were, they were being highly aggressive, getting into the paint offensively, getting themselves to the free. Getting into passing lanes. Exactly. And I, I just felt like they were missing half a step you know defensively and that's a Connecticut team that when they're not defending against a Mystics offense that we all know they can do is you're 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 making it nearly impossible for yourself and it I think it really their defensive um and 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 it's not like I'm calling their defense bad by any stretch it's not what I'm saying I'm just saying the top-notch Connecticut Sun defense we saw in game two and especially game four was it was not the case you know, on, on game five, especially in that second. Oh half. yeah. I mean, well, well, I mean, one of the funniest sequences there, there was multiple um, three sequences that, that really stood out to me in this finals. Obviously the M Meesman uh, triple triples, three, three threes in a row off the same exact play. And then another one that included Emma Meesman was the Breon Jones three fouls against Emma. And they were all literally the same exact thing with her elbow. She was trying to stop Emma's post work by just shoving an elbow in her back, like hoping that would work. And by the third time, coach was just like, all right, get out of there and put Morgan Tuck back in. And I want to give a lot of props to Morgan Tuck because like you were talking about, it's it is hard when Emma Meesman gets going. It is hard to stop her and it is hard to disrupt the flow of that offense. But Morgan Tuck, like somebody who and I think I've said this before on multiple other pods, somebody who is like teetered on the point of being a bust as as high of a draft pick as she was, really showed out these playoffs and really showed that she's here for the spotlight. Talk to me about the positives of of some of the paint play of what Connecticut was able to do. I mean, you know, they, they do a great job, I think, especially after game one, of being able to establish a presence inside. And you have that with John Cole Jones. But in game five, when she's in foul trouble, um, when she pick up her third in the first half, I mean, that didn't necessarily you didn't see the repercussions of that in the first half but we definitely had to see it in the second half and and you know you've got a 6-6 presence that's a rim protector that's on the bench that that changes your entire defensive dynamic um and it it it, it changes your rebounding ability you know she's 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 a walking double double she didn't she didn't even finish the game with a double double now granted 
you know, she still finished with 25 points because they made that much of an effort to get the ball to her, which you have to, you know, Connecticut has to have that go-to person. And JJ is that person on this team. Um, But it just, I think it caused so much problems defensively. And Misa Min, Brian Agler said perfectly when we had him on our pod a few weeks ago. um, You should listen to the pod. (laughs) To start the finals, you know, he was like, you know, at this point, game five, your stars have to show up. You know, it's about star power. It's about um, big time players making big time plays. And to me, yeah, we could talk about John Quell's stat line. We could talk about Elena's stat line, but the difference maker in this game was Emma Meesem, and especially in that second half, really exposing the Connecticut Suns, really the chink in their armor of John Quell Jones having to be on the bench for extended amount of time. Morgan Tuck playing 10 minutes, that, they're not used to doing that. They're not used to doing that at all. But, okay, answer me this. And this is something that, you know, it, it got brought up slightly, but I want your take. You've coached, you've played. It's game five of the finals, and I understand the fear. You know, it's it's the mystery box versus the known to some degree. You know, John Quell played 30 minutes. Obviously, you know, you'd like her to get closer up to 38 if possible, maybe give her a bit, minute or two to break there, whatever. My question is, your coach, do you pull her? Or do you say, you know, excuse my language, folks, F it, uh, it's the WNBA Finals. I'm going to play her with four fouls. I'm going to play her completely through until she gets five fouls. And then I'm going to sit here because then we're going to need her as that, you know, that that final failsafe button, as it were. No, no. I think I think the call was exactly what Kurt Miller should have done in terms of, you know, sitting her when they needed to. I honestly was surprised he didn't take her out sooner in the first half when she picked up that third. She stayed on the floor. Um, I believe, or maybe it was right after her second. I can't remember what, again, everything's a big blur to me at this point, but there was a point where I really wondered, oh my God, she's going to stay on the floor. Um, and then he did eventually take her out. But I think as a coach, you know, he had to sit her when he did. Um, he had to play Morgan Tuck the minutes that he did. Um, that's just what they had to do. I, I, I can't knock Kurt Miller's decisions, you know, from, from how he strategized JJ being on the floor versus Morgan Tuck's minutes. It's it's what you, it's what you had to do in those moments. Um, so no, I I don't think for me at least I don't I don't criticize that. I think if anything, I you know I I love JJ. I think she's a phenomenal player. But some of those fouls were unnecessary. You know, as they they were, oh my god they were showing some of them yeah they were showing some of those replays and there was one in particular where she kind of wrapped up. Um, there was a driver. I can't, can't remember who it was, but kind of wrapped her up. It was a poor closeout and she just kind of blew by her and kind of, you know, really wrapped her arms around her, which was a clear foul. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, you can't do that. You know, you, I'm pretty sure it was Deladon. Yeah. You, you cannot do that in those moments. And honestly, that's going to be talked about. Those are things that, you know, when you're, I mean, Jonquil Jones is still a fairly young player in this this league. This is her first experience being in a game five of the finals. And there's a lot to learn for her individually and how important it is for her to be out on the floor. You know, she played 29 minutes, but would this game have a different outcome if she had played 34, 35? Um, I don't know. You know, it, it, and that's just... Not, ne- not necessarily, you know, one team wins, a uh, different team wins, but like, I think... We're not. A, I think it's a last second shot. I I predicted before the game it would come down to a last second shot, and I'm going to say that John Quill ruined my ability to have that prediction. Yeah, I through. just think that there were. If, if you could sit down and you could pull those fouls from her, 
Um, now we, we, we won't get into the WNBA officiating right now. That's for a different podcast when we're really bored in the off season. <laughs> but I think if you could pull some of those clips, there were maybe at least one, maybe two fouls that, you know, as a player, as a competitor on that stage, you have to look at and you have to think to yourself, like, I, that was a stupid foul. I sh- I, why did I do that? You know, I, I have to be smarter than that. I cannot put my team in this situation by doing that. You know, it, it, you're better off not wrapping up that that, pen, that that penetration drive from the high post and just letting giving up a straight line, you know, layup or relying on your backside rotations than picking up a third or a fourth foul and um, so I, I do. I think JJ's foul trouble played just a huge, monstrous role in this game five. Huge. Oh, yeah. It, it was. Oof. But I, I also got to say, Alyssa Thomas, yet again, freak mode. Like, just ridiculous. Oh. Like, oh, my God. I, like, she's that type of player who you want the team to win just because of that insane effort and that she puts out in game in and game out. And, I mean, what was her stat line? Nine for 14. First of all, okay, I got to talk about this. Alyssa Thomas, who is, no offense, a horrendous free throw shooter. Okay, career stat-wise, just a horrendous free throw shooter, has blown past her career high during these playoffs. Okay, so much freaking respect for mm-hmm. her. And okay. I, and she's doing it with two messed being, up shoulders. Being able to watch... It's um, it's ridiculous. Her was, was like as much of a treat as anything this season, and how phenomenal she was. Um, the toughness that Alyssa Thomas played with was inspiring. It really was. I mean, you know, we we we. It's like beating a dead horse with the shoulders. But at the end of the day, she's out there. She can't even lift her arms up above her head to make free throws, and she's worked on it so much. That she's adjusted her free throw routine to actually was an efficient free throw shooter in these series. Now. You know, she finishes three for three in game five. I mean, she, Alyssa Thomas was phenomenal. And, you know, you you have a strong case. If Connecticut was able to pull this out and say win the whole thing, she would have to have, be a strong case for MVP. She would, she would have to be MVP. I just want, I want to throw this out there. Her playoff average this year was 77.8, okay? Her regular season f- free throw percentage was – sorry, not average percentage – 49.6. Yeah. That's insane. Her best, her best season free throw av- uh, percentage was seventy five in her rookie year in twenty fourteen. Since then, it has just been dropping by like six percent every year, and she just popped right back up. I mean, I remember early in the season, think like, or sorry, early in the series, uh, you know, thinking, oh, late in the game, close game, just follow Lisa Thomas. She's not going to make a free throw. She made me eat my words. So uh, yeah. shout out to her. No. That's a, I mean, that that's a true competitor in every sense of the word, you know, fighting through her own pains and her own limitations uh, from where her body is at. But I mean, you know, we call her a bully, whatever it is. I don't, whatever it is, I want oh, that on my team. Right. Every single night, I will go to war with Alyssa Thomas every single night. And I, I would be absolutely shocked if anybody disagreed oh, with yeah. that. All right, but let's, let's flip it over and talk about the champs and just, you know, a little bit about what makes them so yeah. freaking ridiculously good. So first of all, I want to give a huge, huge, huge shout out to Natasha Cloud. Um, yeah, so much respect for the hard work she put in. She left the fine. She has been the orchestrator, um, you know, the the leader of this band, if you were, when we're on the court. You see her screaming at her teammates. I don't care if it's Deladon or Tolliver or Atkins or whoever it is. She will put you in your place on the court and tell you where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. But 
she took it to a next level. We've seen her do that throughout the whole season, throughout last season. The finals last year had to have been a dark cloud around her head constantly this whole year because she did not appear in those finals. Comes out and just, I mean, yeah, she had one bad game in these finals, but just a beast, a constant beast, huge three-pointers. She was two for six from three in the game five, but those two threes that she hit were ginormous and contested. Yeah, Natasha Cloud was great. I mean, I'm a really big Natasha Cloud fan, and, and she's such a smart player. Um, she's such a leader um, on out on the floor. As a point guard, yeah, you have to have that. But, you know, and I don't know if it's because ESPN had her mic'd up. It just felt like she was more vocal. But, you know, this is a player that she's very special in her ability to be that floor leader. And the, she brings an energy um, and a vocal presence and has such – care for her teammates. She understands her teammates. She understands what to say, when to say it in huddles. She understands when to go pick somebody up, when to challenge someone. She was brilliant. She was brilliant, not just in game five. She was brilliant this season for Washington. She is a true floor leader. She's a leader of this team. She's a positive, energetic presence. Um, I, I could continue to praise Natasha Cloud so much. And yeah, like when players aren't playing well, yeah, like Aria, like we, we we can call them out. We could say, yeah, they 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 didn't do what they typically do. But Natasha Cloud, for the most part, I mean, all of this, you know, game five, she was phenomenal. I think her shot selection was great in game five. She came up with those big time, big time threes, got herself to the free throw line a couple key moments, um, made really good decisions. Um, really took care of the basketball. I felt, and and I think the biggest thing is though, like when Washington needed that the right messages to be sent to them. She was the one providing that. 100%. 100%. Honestly, if you ask me, uh, obviously, you know, everyone's going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but behind Emma, uh, I'm giving Tolliver, sorry, Cloud MVP of this series just for not necessarily stat-wise what she did, but it was very visible whenever DC started to get a little out of it. She would calm them down and really bring them back to earth and say, hey, let's uh, let's focus. Let's talk about Christy Tolliver, though. Um mm-hmm. Had had a fan of the pod, I hope she's listening, stopped me uh, after game five and said, hey, if they would have lost, I would have agreed with you. It's going to be uh, – so. oh, wait, no, that was that was something else. But so, someone else stopped, stopped uh, and spoke to you, actually, I believe it was. Correct? Yeah, I did, yeah. Now they were – I, I'm 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 just critical of Christy Tolliver at times because I think she comes in waves um, where it can be like holy crap, blow my mind out of the water. What the hell is happening? Versus holy shit, she just missed the basket by three feet. What was that shot? And there's beauty in that, <laughs> but it's an emotional roller coaster for me when I watch Christy Tolliver. But honest, honestly, she there was a the couple minutes right out of halftime where she was really trying to do too much. It was like three three possessions in a row where she was trying to force it. You could tell she wanted it. She wanted to make the right decisions, but it was not. Coming. She wanted to be that hero. Yeah. She went, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily a hero, but she was trying to match that energy. I think that she knew Connecticut was going to come out with um, after halftime, you know, so many coaches and teams talk about those first few minutes right after halftime are the difference in a game. And I think Chrissy Tolliver as a coach herself understands that, you know, you're coming out a halftime of a game five and it's as neck and neck as it is the team that's going to come out the right way is going to take this thing. And and so she was trying to do the right things, but you know, as, as a player and on that stage with all that energy and, and she was trying to do too much. So it was, it was the right call, get her out, sit her down, you know, re- regroup. Um, and she, I think she came back and responded like a vet 
you know, came in and was phenomenal from the free throw line and uh, made really good decisions. She finishes with 18 points, 5'11 from the field. I mean, you know, hit one, one three, but man, that was a big three when she knocked that one down. And um, I really do think that she was poised for, you know, 35 minutes of that game. It was a couple that it was like, oh, that's a little uncharacteristic, but I think you could go down the line with probably a lot of players out on the floor um, and say that with in one course or another, in one case or another throughout the series where they were trying to do too much. It's just, they happen to be so glaring with her. And, you know, I think she has an extra microscope on her because she has been at, on the stage before she has won a championship. So for her to come out and how she was going to handle these finals and how she was going to be, um, a leader in her own way for this team, I think she really needed to step up and do the right things. And I, and I would say for the most part, she did. Yeah, and now let's flip it over to uh, some of the bench stars. Ariel Powers, you know, who now didn't have the greatest game five, two points, you know, but she was a plus seven, four rebounds, one steal, Mm -hmm. one assist, you know, sorry, no steals, one assist, you know, but really cemented herself throughout this season as, this is an interesting thing because I'm putting on my GM cap now. If If I'm a GM, I'm thinking, oh, I'm about to throw some money at her and steal her from Washington this offseason. Um, just because she's that type of player where I feel like when you start to get a lot of notoriety as like a set, like a, a fill-in starter when someone's injured or as a, a top scoring and energy threat as, as the sixth woman, that's like such a key important role that every team needs. And she played that to a T for Washington. Talk to me about power. No, I thought she was good. She really, I think elevated her game in moments, um, I mean, she elevated her her game to a new level on this Washington Mystics team as someone that, you know, is going to make good things happen when like good things happen when Powers is on the floor. Um, she's not necessarily going to show up in every stat line, but sometimes she will. And I remember, you know, the one shot she made, I think, was in the first half and it was like a 17 foot jumper. And it was it came at a critical point um, in that first half. And I think just that one shot, you know, she finishes the game with two points, but that was a, a, it was a good response from what Connecticut was doing early in that game. Um, and it, I remember, I remember, I can't remember exactly what's happening, but it was a response shot. And I remember thinking, man, like, all right, if powers is hitting that shot, they, they need her to step up just in a couple of moments, just like that, whether it's snagging a big time rebound or knocking down, you know, a big time 15 footer when, when they need some momentum. And that's what she does. You know, she, she, she does her role. She does it exceptionally well. But at the same time, she's got the ability to get going offensively. Um, and she's proven herself to be one of the toughest forwards in this league, being able to match up with far bigger opponents and has a bit of an edge to her uh, that I think really came out more this season, too. She was a lot of fun to watch. Oh, yeah, she was. And also she like she and, and Cloud both were were just one of the I just love any player who interacts with the crowd and gets the crowd riled up. And you'll see Cloud and Powers after a big shot or in a timeout or whatever just like jumping on the scorer's table and getting the crowd going, you know, doing the, the Cynthia Cooper pump it up, getting people going. And and I'm all about that. All about that. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about Shatori. Cause Shatori is a funny person off the court on the court, very serious. And, you know, didn't get a lot of minutes coming like in the semifinals or coming into the playoffs and then really appeared uh, in the last few games in the finals. And, and, you know, didn't have the biggest games, isn't blowing up the stat sheet, but she was able to leave her mark on these finals. Yeah, I just think understanding your role 
you know, and understanding when, what, what is your role on this team? You know, when, when do you need to come in and be a bit of a spark? When do you need to come in and just not mess up and, and, and give someone a blow? Um, you know, she was, she was phenomenal in my opinion in game four, even though they lost, but she kind of stepped up big and she was a bit of an offensive um, spark plug that they did need finishing with seven points. She was big in game three. Uh, finish with seven points so like she'll take shots but she lets them come to her naturally in my opinion Um, but it's not like they need her to be a big time score that's not her role on this team but she can be that spark spark plug here and there that's able to knock down a few shots I I really like her I like her on this team I think she fits um, that edge and 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 this whole team in general I mean I we could go down the line of kind of the dynamic of the team and how everyone fits. I think she is a, a really big person on the team. I think if she wasn't on this team, it would throw off the dynamic a little bit, but maybe I'll let you speak to that because you, you get to see it more in person than I do. What are your thoughts? No, I mean, I, I agree with everything you say. I think she, she has that ability. She's kind of, you know, throughout the season, we saw coach T really use the bench and go deep on the bench. And then as we got closer and closer, um, you know, the playoffs, he started to tinker with the lineups and kind of decide who he really wants to be getting those heavy minutes. Come playoffs, you know, she was a player that was kind of just a sprinkle on top where it's like, oh, we could use that energy. We can, you know, she has a very unique style of game. She's been definitely working on her handles, getting better at that uh, in her time. But honestly, for a player like her and a player like Powers, I see in a similar light just because Coach T is so good at player development something that really goes underrated in the W because it's a short season, because they don't have a long preseason or training camp, and then they're overseas. So you don't necessarily really get to work with these players and, and work their games through. But Coach T does a, a excellent, excellent job of doing that type of work, which you see these players, you know, he's famous for doing his drafts uh, of players that you don't even know who the hell they are. Like, they're not expected to make it into, you know, the third round, albeit the first round. Um and he really works with these players and gets them to a level. Obviously, you know, Ariel Atkins is a, <laughs> I mean, a ridiculous story of a player who I don't know where she was projected and picks her seven, I think. And she is, you know, arguably she wins rookie of the year. I mean, if Asia Wilson didn't have the crazy year she had, she wins rookie of the year. And I and call me crazy. I will take Atkins over, uh, over Wilson. Uh, if I'm starting a team today. And the reason is, is because Atkins just has that ability. Like uh, she was the player that impressed me most in the finals because she has won her needed disc or probably more now that we're finding about these things, but she was diving at every loose ball, falling into the camera people, you know, jumping all over the place, make like crashing the boards. She was that it factor that, that player that brings your team to that next level because she knows, Hey, Elena's hurt. She's not diving after these balls, but I'm doing this for my teammate. She was sacrificing her body for her teammate, and that's the type of person I want to go to war with. Uh, obviously, we can't talk about the Mystics without letting Rachel go off about Elena Deladon a little bit. So, Rachel, please grace us with your thoughts. No, I mean, <laughs> Elena's, in my opinion, the best player in the world. Um, she's changed. Yeah, yeah, we could talk about Brandon Stewart. I love Brandon Stewart, but we're not talking about Brandon Stewart right now. Brandon Stewart's not playing basketball right now. So when she's back here shortly, which I can't wait for, fantastic. But to me, Elena is a very, very special player. I think, um, you know, honestly, I, I was getting emotional watching her win. I, I'm biased because I have, you know, I, I know Elena um, and I really wanted that for her. And I've, 
I just think she is such a fantastic person off the floor as well. And, and just wanting this for her and um, everything she's been through through the course of her career, the competitor that she is, how she's able to elevate her game, um, even in the course of so much adversity is inspiring. It really is. And so, um, yeah, she's, I mean, hands down the MVP of this WNBA season. I'm so happy for her. Um, and honestly, you know, I, I, I think I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to speak for Elena, but I love how Elena is so complimentary with her teammates. She understands that, you know, without them, she's nothing, you know, she's, she's just, you know, her teammates elevate her. Um, she elevates them. She makes everyone better, um, around her, but she's so complimentary to Emma Misaman, who we are just now really, really, really starting to talk about. And we talked about her being the missing piece. And some people wondered, man, how are they going to play Elena and Emma Misaman together? What's that going to look like? Well, now we know, you know, and I, you have two really um, unselfish players. Um, sometimes I get very critical of Elena, you know, in like late game situations. And like in game four, I was like, why is she like, what is this? Like, what, why is the ball not in her hands? <laughs> Everything should run through her. Yeah, you know, and, and, and good things happen when Elena touches the basketball. I don't know who, and that's not me coming at Coach T. That's not me coming at Elena. It's just I have watched her so closely since she entered into the league. And this that was an issue at times in Chicago. Um, in the fourth quarter in, in, in the playoffs, why was the ball not in her hands? I, you know, I don't, didn't understand it because there's so many times we've seen her just take over. You know, and, and just the way she plays, um, she, she, she's just such a joy, you know, for women's basketball in general. And I'm so thankful that, you know, we, we're in a time where we get to watch her. Um, not, and again, not just because of her talent. I'm just talking her character um, as a competitor and uh, as, as great of a teammate and she, as she is. She's, she's fantastic. She's my MVP. <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, the, the more impressive things, we know how good of a freakishly good basketball player she is so that wasn't like the mind-blowing aspect of these finals for me it was more so how you know when you talk about I hate hate doing NBA comparisons but the only person who comes to mind is Tim Duncan how when he got old he got really slow but he started to play smarter and I and obviously Elena already plays slow enough but what I'm talking about is how Elena was able to say like oh my body's broken down right now let me understand what elements of my game are doable, are usable, and let me do that to the best of my ability. So I'm talking about feeding the ball to her teammates. I'm talking about when she could get her arms up, because I'm sure just sure. raising your arms kills when you have herniated discs. You know, get the rebounds, all of that stuff. She did so much more throughout this series, even if it was being, you know, just a, a cherry picker standing outside the three-point line, get the ball, hit a shot. She did that to an extreme and did it well enough that she had to draw more attention and that opened things up for the rest of her team. And, and to me, that's the ultimate MVP move is where you bring up everyone around you to a better level. And that's something that we haven't necessarily spoke about enough when you're talking about Elena Deladon, which is, you know, MVPs, greatness makes greatness around them better. We talk about Diana Taurasi made everyone around her Betty a better certain players raise the level of the players around them. And Elena Deladon did that amazingly in these WNBA finals. Uh, Rachel, final thoughts about the, uh, the WNBA finals. Man, it was a, it was a fantastic finals. Um, I really was blown away at the level of competition uh, between these two teams in particular. I can't, 
congratulate Washington and Coach T, um, Elena, everybody um, for for their championship. I think it's amazing. Um, Connecticut, you know, this is a team we're going to be continuing to talk about for years to come. Um, and I, they're just going to come back even more hungry. I love the edge on this team and the chip on their shoulder. I, I love what Kurt Miller and this franchise is doing. Um, and, and they're going to learn a lot, you know, from, from being on this stage and coming this close. Um, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in 2020. There's no doubt about that. So congratulations to both teams. And honestly, thank you for everyone who takes the time to listen to our podcast. Um, we love the WNBA so much and we just want to do it justice. Thank you. Yeah, I'll second everything she said. Uh, if, if, you know, we always plug our Patreon, so I'm going to do one more shameless plug. Um, I had a nice little exclusive interview with Coach T following all of the celebration um, the night of the, the WNBA Finals Game 5 championship. And if you were wondering uh, what his plans are, if his horizon is upon us, if he is going to retire, uh, or if he's going to try and run it back for three in a row, uh, three finals in a row, Definitely check out our Patreon. It's a Patreon exclusive, a little interview with him. Um, and he uh, he dropped some cool knowledge about, uh, well, about just random WNBA stuff. I won't, I won't give away too much. But as we say, we believe the players of the WNBA community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. With that in mind, please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us and the hard work that we do.